Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. We're so thankful to be able to open up God's Word again and study together, learning a little bit more, digging a little bit deeper, searching a little bit more thoroughly. You know, since the Scriptures and getting into God's Word is key to our faith, Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then it is really absolutely essential that we get into God's word on a regular basis. And I'm not talking about once a year or once every few months. I'm talking about every day, as often as we can. As we learn more from God's word and come to understand it and believe it and make the proper applications to our lives, well, that's how faith develops within us. Some people they seem to be waiting for faith to happen to them. (laughs) Well, they need to get into God's word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now, as we study more, then our faith should be growing stronger and stronger. And as that happens, we should be coming closer and closer to God. At some point, we need to come to the point where we say, I I do believe in God with all of my heart. I do believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and God's Son. And I, I need to make my commitment. I need to be reborn spiritually. I need to repent of my sins and confess my faith in Christ and surrender to him in baptism, being buried in the waters of baptism, immersed, so the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse me of my sins. Acts 22 and verse 16. So that I can be born again spiritually. John 3 verses 3 through 5. And become a new creation from a spiritual perspective. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, I need to become a Christian. Well, how important that is and what hope that offers you. Through Christianity, through Christ, God offers you a hope like none other that mankind can hope for. And we're going to talk about that in this study. Before we get into the text again, I want to encourage you to help other people in your life. You know people who need to come to God, don't you? Who need to come to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who need to get into his word. Encourage them to listen to search the scriptures, Monday through Friday. Now, some people cannot listen at the prescribed times, even though we're on several times a day, Monday through Friday, each day. But tell them about our website, churchofchrist.com. And you can take advantage of this yourself. churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, your computer, laptop, tablet, pad, whatever it might be, you'll automatically receive Today's Bible class, I'm I'm sorry, Search the Scriptures, our radio program, Monday through Friday. So when somebody cannot listen at the times that this is actually broadcast over the radio airwaves, they can download it and listen to it at at their convenience when they have time. Also, they will receive a daily short Bible study that we call Today's Bible class, about 13 minutes each day seven days a week. And they will receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, 
all of that will automatically go to their smart device. It is absolutely free. It always will be absolutely free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. While at our website, they can also download and listen to hundreds of sermons. And those are now being posted in video format as well as audio. They can, li- they can download and read through and study through hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles that can help them in their walk with God. All of that, again, is free. Please help people. Help people in their spiritual lives by sharing this information with them and encouraging them to listen to this radio program every day. Search the scriptures. We're getting back into our study, talking about the existence of God. We're almost at the end of this particular study. We've been looking at this for several weeks straight, and this is the final chapter, so to speak, or section of this study. We've talked about the existence of God, believing in God, the, re- the you know, logical reasoning behind accepting that belief in God, faith in God is really compelling based upon the facts. The Bible itself tells us that faith, real faith, is based upon substance and evidence. It's not a wild leap in the dark, as some people would say, unrealistic belief system. Uh-uh. It's based, upon, it's based upon substance and evidence, Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please him, because he who had come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And we must believe in Jesus because Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John 8 and verse 24. But why should we believe in God? And why should we believe that God sent his son into this world to die on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins? John three sixteen, Romans 5 and verse 8. Because of the evidence Now, this particular line of study and reasoning is based upon logical reasoning. Morality? Is there such a thing as a basic level of morality within the world? Of course there is. Now, some people will disagree on specific points of morality, but we all recognize that there is a basic standard of morality. Well, where does that come from? The fact that we are moral beings. Why? Because God created us in his image. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And in so doing, he created us with a soul, with a spiritual identity, as well as a physical being. God is the moral lawgiver. And for real morality to exist, there has to be a moral lawgiver. Goodness is another realization that has to have a basic standard for its very existence. We all recognize again that there is goodness within humanity, within the world. Where, where, Where did that goodness come from? God. God is absolutely good, absolutely righteous all the time. 
Then we looked at something that a lot of people, I think, are unaware of. They either overlook or else they don't have any idea that it's really there. And that's all kinds of scientific, real facts that we did not learn about until thousands of years after they were written in Old Testament scripture by ancient writers guided by God to write them down. Like the earth being round, like the earth hanging in the sky on nothing, on and on. Those particular facts are written there. Now, they were not believed by people in back in those days, how did those ancient writers come to that knowledge to write them down in Scripture? God. God guided them to write the truth, his very word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed. It is God's very word, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. God is all-knowing. That's part of his nature. And then we looked at the reality of design, the recognition that within the universe around us, within our world in which we live, there is incredible intricate design. Well, for intelligent design to exist, there has to be an intelligent designer behind the intelligent design. We made the simple comparisons of looking at a house or an automobile or an airplane or a helicopter or a bridge or whatever kind of object that you want to point to, and, and we recognize that those things cannot just kind of happen on their own. They can't just kind of come into being. There has to be design. There's design within them, and so there has to be a designer behind the design, and then somebody takes the design and puts it all together, and there you have it. There's a house. There's an automobile. There's an airplane. There's a bridge. There's a helicopter. You can go on and on and on down the list. Well, this world is far more intricately designed than any of those things. God is the designer behind the design. In this last section, we're talking about hope. And much along the same lines as the existence of morality and goodness for hope to really exist, there has to be a source behind the hope or a source of the hope. And that source is God. Left on our own, we are hopeless. But we have hope. Hope is a motivating and sustaining force in life. Hope makes our life worth living. It gives our life direction and purpose and meaning. And without hope, we would be miserable because we would be hopeless in our lives. But God offers us hope. In fact, God is described in, Hebrew, in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 as the God of hope. So that we, as we believe in him and follow him in faithfulness, we may abound in hope. Not just have a smattering of it, but we may abound in hope, have an abundance of hope. The Apostle Paul stood trial simply because he was preaching the gospel message of hope. As we come to God through Christ as our Savior, as we're baptized into him, 
and the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the, us of the guilt of our sins, we are guaranteed the hope of eternal life. So that even when all kinds of trials and tribulations and challenges and pains and sickness and all of those things that are natural to this physical life and this physical world, as they confront us one after another, in some cases bombard us, it would seem, well, we can get through all of that because we look forward to an eternal home with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And that is not a wild wish. That is the promise of God, and that is the hope that sustains us and gives our life meaning and keeps us going all through this physical life. That hope, the hope of eternal life, and that comes from God who cannot lie, Titus 1 and verse 2. As we face the challenges of life, well, we have the hope of salvation to keep us going to keep us motivated. It is described as the anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Oh, what glorious hope God offers us to live by, an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The gospel of Christ, that's the message of hope. It's laid up for us in heaven, that hope. Colossians 1 and verse 5. And it's not just some, it's not at all some wild dream, some unrealistic thought or desire, but it is living hope. It's reserved for us in heaven. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Now, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 5. Let's look at that again. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Again, the gospel message is the message of hope. Boy, we read about people, we see newscasts of people in some parts of the world where famine has struck because of drought where people are destitute, they have little or no food, they live in shacks, they don't know what to do. But God offers hope. God offers hope. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus had been talking about the necessities of life. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God offers us hope, see, beyond just this life and all of its factors and even its destitution potentially at times. He offers us that home in heaven where we will never have to suffer sickness or dying or pain or sorrow again. Eternal life eternal bliss with him. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, the apostle Peter wrote along this line, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope 
a living hope, not a wild wish, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, Jesus could have gone to the cross, cross, claiming to be the Savior, the Son of God, could have died on that cross. He could have been seen as a martyr, and that could have been the end of it, if he were an imposter. But on the third day after his death on the cross, he arose from the grave, triumphant over death. And that resurrection demonstrated undeniably and with the power of God that he truly is the Savior sent from God to mankind on this earth. And that gospel message of salvation that he brought, oh yes, it's the message of salvation. And inherent within that message of salvation, it's also a message of hope like this world cannot offer on its own. a living hope. Verse 4 goes on and says, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Have you ever driven along through some neighborhood? I've done this many times, and I don't know, I just have a fascination with driving through old neighborhoods and looking at old stately homes and imagining the history that those homes have seen. I've driven by many of those who are in a rather disheveled appearance, condition. Paint was flaking off the walls all over the place. Porches, perhaps, were kind of collapsing. The roof had needed repairing maybe 15 years ago. Window might be broken here and there. The yard is unkempt, maybe trash laying around, and I thought that was quite a home in the day that it was built. Well, things of this world ultimately decay. They ultimately, they go away. They're not forever. But what that hope that God offers us through the gospel of Christ is a living hope. It goes on. It's the hope, the promise, the expectation of an eternal inheritance that is incorruptible. It will never decay away. It is undefiled. It's not going to rot. It does not fade away. It is reserved by God himself in heaven for us. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 7, we read of the Apostle Paul as he's facing imminent execution for not just being a Christian, but for teaching Christianity, changing people, pulling them away from the Old Testament law of Moses to the fulfillment of that law in Christ, in Christianity. Also, leading people out of the decay of worshiping idols to learning about and worshiping and embracing the true living God. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. He's talking about eternal life in heaven. With the Lord, the righteous judge, who will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, that was not a wild wish on the part of the Apostle Paul. It was not an unrealistic desire or dream. It was a life-sustaining promise from God. That hope, that reality of ultimate fulfillment, the expectation that it would be his in fullness in eternity. We can confidently face physical death then, looking forward to the ultimate realization of our guaranteed hope. And we can deal with all that this life throws at us, all of the challenges that the devil might throw at us, because we wear on our head as Christians, as the saved, the hope of salvation as a helmet. Our breastplate is covered with faith and love, faith in God and love of God for us and us for him to protect us from all that the devil might throw at us, from all that this life might threaten us with. A life that is lived in denial of the existence of God is a life truly of utter hopelessness. Hopelessness. I want us to talk about that and think about that as we conclude our study on the existence of God next time. Let's pray. Father, you are God, the God, and you are the God of love and hope, real hope. Hope that is the anchor, or at least you offer it to be the anchor of our soul, sure and steadfast. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. We pray that you will help people everywhere to open their eyes to their opportunity to embrace this hope and open their hearts and their resolve to do exactly that. We pray, Father. We pray for souls. We pray for our souls. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.